Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Well, hello, hello, good afternoon. This is Suzanne Knabernicol from Police Science Doctor. Now, I'm about one day late for Police Science Snippets number 32. Do I have a good excuse? Not really. Um, I kept thinking I'm going to do it later, I'm going to do it later, and then today I realized I didn't do it later, I didn't do it at all, in fact. So apologies for that. Usually I do it on a Tuesday afternoon or evening because every Tuesday what I'm doing with the people who've subscribed to the free Police Science Doctor email list is I actually send them those three police science snippets, which are actual pieces of, re of information, actual pieces of research from scientific findings, from academic circles, turned into or selected because I think you can do something with them straight away. So usually I send that out on a Tuesday, which I have done yesterday with the original links to, so you can actually check the research out yourself and go straight to the source. And I did email that out yesterday, but then I, um, I forgot to go live. Um, so this is what I'm doing today. Apologies for that. Hopefully you're not going to miss anything. I'm going to do exactly the same thing today that I was going to do yesterday. If you're watching this, please let me know. Um, that you're watching who you are and where you're watching from. It's always great to hear that and always great to see that. And also I need to um, make an announcement before I get to the snippets. So I am going to do an interview with my mental health in policing related um, co-host, Ginny McKenna, the amazing police stress expert. This Thursday in two days, we're interviewing police chief from Oregon, USA, um, Corey Darling. The reason why we're interviewing him is because he managed to single-handedly turn around the health situation of his entire police force. Now, he doesn't have thousands and thousands of officers in his police force, but obviously it's it's a police force that covers the area of Sun River, um, um, Sun River, I don't know if it's a city or is this, this is a place called, called Sun River in Oregon. Now, he managed to cut down sick leave days by two thirds. So it's only about 30% of what it was one or two years before. And he managed to cut down insurance claims payouts by 50%. Now, if you work in policing and you would like how this was done, you would like to know how this was done, you would like to know how you can get your police force healthier mentally and I guess also physically, then tune in on Thursday and you will um, hear Ginny and I um, interviewing this amazing police chief to find out exactly what he's done. So if you just go to the Twitter page, or not Twitter, but if you go to LinkedIn, you will see that there's a post on this. And also I will have emailed this out if you were on the list already. So this is going to be this Thursday afternoon, 3 p.m. BST, British Standard Time. Then also what we've got coming up next Wednesday, and you can still sign up to that, is the Rapid Fire Conference on Investigative Interviewing. These are going to be four short training sessions delivered by experts who are world-renowned in their fields of expertise. And they're going to be delivering these training sessions to you for free. Yes, for free. So this is a free conference and you will come away with knowledge and you can also come away with an ebook of all the transcripts, every single word that they said, every reference, every link, how to get in touch with them. You can also download that afterwards. So um, 
please attend that. It's going to be on Monday. I'm really excited um, about it. I've, I've done most of the preparations for it. It's Monday, 4 p.m. BST. That's um, 11 a.m. EST. And uh, so you can register for free. I just posted the link in the comments. So hopefully you'll see that there. Right, now let's get to your police science snippets for this week. We have three, as usual. The first one is Police Academy Socialization. Now, I'd never heard of that before, but I found it quite interesting. So recruits completing their police academy training rated misconduct, the code of silence, and the noble cause of policing lower than when they started at the academy. So people who started the police, um, police academy, they asked them questions, you know, how, how bad do you think misconduct is? How bad, you know, what do you think of the code of silence where, you know, you know something, but you don't, you basically don't tell on your colleagues and the, you know, how important do you write the novel cause of policing? So all these things were much higher when they started than when they finished. So something happens, some kind of socialization happens during the, their time at the police academy where they, um, where peer pressure come in, you know, a team spirit comes in, looking out for each other, covering for each other. Now, looking out for each other is definitely a good thing. Covering for each other, not necessarily. So it was very interesting to see this before and after effect. Um, and, you know, when we have issues with police misconduct or any anything related to that, does it have to do with the fact that there's a culture that develops, you know, even this early on um, in police recruits. So um, the original article is linked in the um, in the snippets. If you got the email or if you subscribe or go to the website and you can go to the read page and you can access and download the whole snippet for this week. The second one, it's a very strange one. So um, I haven't come across this before um, and I thought I'll, I'll let you know about it. So this is about people who work in slaughterhouses. So it's the psychological impact of slaughterhouse employment. Slaughterhouse workers have a higher prevalence of mental health issues, in particular depression and anxiety, and violence supportive attitudes. Now, remember that working in a slaughterhouse, you, you literally get paid to kill. You literally get paid to end a life or many lives. You literally get paid to destroy the body of, of other creatures. Um, I didn't put this in just because I'm a vegan and I've, I'm obviously against slaughterhouses and what goes on in there. Um, but I, I just thought it was really interesting. Um, they are also involved in crime levels to a higher degree. And there's a link between employment and antisocial behavior. Um, between this kind of employment and antisocial behavior generally and sexual offending specifically, albeit association with violent crime was, was not found specifically. Um, so antisocial behavior is associated to working in a slaughterhouse, um, specifically sexual offending. Now, don't forget, in order to carry out this profession, you have to ignore emotional signals from the creature that you're killing. You have to ignore, you know, maybe pleading looks, screams, um, symptoms of fear and panic and you know sheer terror you ignore all that and you carry on with the task of killing um or chopping up or whatever it is they're doing you know what 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 does that do to somebody's psyche you know with um with rape we know that there's there's some kind of association with psychopathic traits because you are able to experience sexual arousal 
you know, when you're dealing with someone whom you're ca causing these feelings of terror and fear and, and, you know, you're doing horrible things to them and you're enjoying it, you know, so there's something really, really wrong about that. Now, what I've read out here, and you can actually read the original article, the, the full article, you can access the full article. It's, um, it doesn't say that this kind of employment causes these kind of psychological um, factors. Um, and so you need maybe need to look at that. There's a correlation there. I'm not sure it's actually trying to say that there's, you know, this is because these people work in slaughterhouses that they become desensitized to emotional cues and that you know, maybe that's why they're more likely to become antisocial, that maybe that's why they become more likely to be um to be sexual offenders. But it does attract specific people. So it attracts people who are um, less educated, come from more disadvantaged backgrounds, and um, come more from a migrant community. Now, these are already factors that predispose someone to be in a, uh, to have a lower sexual, social economic status, and having a lower social, lower social economic status predispose someone um, to crime. So, you know, it does, it does it attract those kind of people? Possibly. And also, does it then add um, you know the nature of the job. Does it add to those predisposing factors? Possibly. So have a look. Have a look at that. And I don't mean to to slate um, people who work in slaughterhouses at all. You know, no matter what my own opinions on the profession, I can't say anything about the people. I don't know that any of them personally, as far as I'm aware. But this is just some research I found, and I thought it was interesting. Just wanted to to make you aware of it. And the third one, um, really, really, really interesting: balanced policing. Now, this is about stop and search or stop and frisk, it might be called in your country. And this is about when the police um, stop usually young males in the street and they search them for drugs um, and weapons and they, they seize weapons, they seize drugs when they find them. Now, there's been a lot of talk about this being disproportionately done to um, young black males um, who are non-whites. And this article is saying that, well, you need to compare it to the right, to the right thing. So yesterday was actually... Um, the second day of the Cambridge um, evidence-based policing conference. And I think it was the chief constable of Dorset in, in the UK. So Dorset is a county in the UK who was saying that, you know, this, these statistics don't make sense for us. You can't compare how many people we stop and search to how many people, you know, the, 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 make, the, the makeup in terms of the racial makeup of the people we stop and search to the racial makeup of the people who live here, because it's a, it's a touristy area. People coming from all over the the place to, to be on holiday it doesn't make sense to compare to the people who live there. You need to look at much more dynamic, relevant factors. So um, the what the snippet is saying is rather than using outdated population data to determine racial disparity in stop and search or stop and frisk, homicide victimization rates should be used. So we're looking at um, knives, you know, carrying knives and weapons here. Blacks are five times more likely to be murdered than whites in the USA and UK. Okay, listen to that again. Blacks are five times more likely to be murdered than whites in the USA and UK. Using this metric, whilst blacks are stopped by police nine times more than whites, this disparity drops from 800% to 58% if using the higher victimization rates rather than population rates as a measure. So actually, black people are being under-policed. They're not being protected enough from murder. You know, there's no point complaining that they're getting too much, stopped too much. They're not getting protected enough. So th this is something we need to look at. We need to look at the right numbers. So who's getting killed? Who's, who's most likely to get killed? Well, right, you're in the same demographic of those who, who do the killing and who receive the killing. So, you know, let, let's, let's do something about it. Let's try and get those weapons out of those groups so we can prevent some of these murders.
So the black population needs more, not less policing until they keep them safe. So the link to the original full article is there. It's um, it's on the Cambridge, um, it's a journal of evidence-based policing, the Cambridge Journal of Evidence-Based Policing. So they've done this amazing research recently. It only came out this week and I recommend that everybody have a look at it because it is groundbreaking in in the way we we calculate this and in the way we we do this. So it's not about population data. You know, I don't care if I'm if I'm looking at um, at a nightclub. Am I saying, oh, you know, we're disproportionately trying to search people for drugs here who are um, of a certain age range? And well, yeah, because we're looking at people in the nightclub, not people in that town. So if we're looking at knife murders, let's look at knife murder victimization and. Um, perpetration and look within those demographics not you know the 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 old people who live there and retire to to dorset to live by the sea okay so this all needs to be proportionate and the proportions need to be derived from the right metrics not population data so do have a look at that have a look at policesciencedoctor.com the snippets are listed on the homepage, so just scroll down and um you know i'm always listing the snippets on there you can you can find that and if you're a subscriber you have access to the password protected read page and I really urge you to look as specifically at this article because um, it is groundbreaking. Um, you know, research done by um, Sumit Kumar and Professor Lawrence Sherman, the founder of evidence-based policing, no less. Right, okay, so as I said, interview on Thursday, yeah, in two days, then the rapid fire conference on Monday, which is only five-ish days from now, four to five days from now. So really excited about that. I hope you'll join me. Um, I'll just play you this in piece of informational um, media and um, I'll bid you goodbye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam, this is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts.